the advertising industry is a huge driver um, of getting the messages from clients, from businesses that are making stuff and getting them into people's hands and changing their behaviors and altering the ways in which they consume and what becomes normal like whether you or not you change your phone every year or whether you eat meat or you know and extinction rebellion isn't about telling people exactly what to do to change their behavior we're not going hey extinction rebellion says no flying no more meat da, da, da. what we are saying is we want citizens assemblies to help decide what we are prepared to do as as, as humans as citizens and giving that power back to the people. But the environment in which we are acting and trying to make these changes is in many ways set by influencers and not just influencers as individuals, but by the businesses and corporations who exert influence on our society. And the most visible form of that is in advertising. You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast with me, Dan Burgess. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 25. In this episode, I'm in conversation with Will Skeeping from Extinction Rebellion. So what is this podcast all about? Well, we're living on a life-giving rock called Earth, hurtling through space. How bonkers is that? But like a spaceship, we have a finite amount of supplies and an intelligent operating system which keeps everything replenished as long as we all respect it and use it wisely. So an understanding of how this system works along with deep cooperation between humans and all life is essential to keep us and the spaceship flying. But Mr Fuller once said there are no passengers on Spaceship Earth. We are all crew. So in this podcast, I'm riffing and having conversations with humans involved in restoring and regenerating, raising awareness and shifting consciousness, reimagining how we might live more beautifully through creativity, care, ideas, collaborations, community, new forms of business, and much more. I talk to artists, photographers, entrepreneurs, activists, writers, designers, strategists, adventurers, healers, creative mavericks, and many more. I believe their stories can inspire all of us to become more planetary, to fully participate as crew on the Spaceship Earth. In this episode, I'm in conversation with Will Skeeping from Extinction Rebellion. Will is a creative strategist and activist, and he's doing some really important and courageous work right now, which we're gonna get stuck into. Before I get into the conversation with Will, I wanna give um, some background and some more context because this conversation is very much connected to quite a large strand of my work and energy that I'm deeply involved in right now. And I want to explain that context. Um, so it's a bit like if you've listened to the Spaceship Earth podcast in the past, you'll know I have some of these rambling episodes. So this, this one is a bit of a mashup of some of my rambling up front and then, and then, and then a guest episode. So it's a, you're kind of getting a two for one here, you know, which is, which is a bit of a bargain. So anyway... For those of you who may not know, I've spent uh, much of the last decade working in and around environmental ecological issues, uh, nature disconnection, climate change, sustainability challenges. And quite often uh, the perspective I'm exploring is, is from sort of a post-consumerist point of view, like where, how might this stuff, uh, how might these challenges be solved if we could start to view them uh, as a participant, as uh, to be in relationship with this stuff versus to sort of be separated as a, as a consumer. Um, and that work for me is, has been as a strategist, as a co-designer, a creative activist. And, and, and my work has spanned and continues to do. Uh, I work uh, uh, with brands of business. I work with NGOs. I work with activists, community groups, and, and also my own experimental projects. And, and quite often, 
my work involves convening quite diverse collaborations, quite diverse perspectives to, to explore and to co-create, to co-create new ways of thinking about these things and new ways of responding to these challenges. So these kind of climate crisis, um, ecological crisis, these kinds of issues have been very much alive for me um, pretty much the last decade. And at times, I think it's worth, it's, it's, it's worth just, you know, in the spirit of openness, I've been um, deeply uh, and emotionally broken at times over the last 10 years. I, I've experienced um, a lot of grief, a lot of anxiety, and I still have that. And I, 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 I'm sort of learning, always learning how to, how to live with that. Um, it's a lot of sadness. And that's been that's come through sort of facing into these realities of um, the breakdown and destruction of our ecosystems and and the climate which are essentially being destroyed to support our global economic systems to continue to develop around this core idea of industrial growth society rampant consumerism and an infinite growth on a finite planet that that kind of idea that 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 way of 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 organizing life on this planet right now is what is driving this and so this grief and anxiety it's it's a real thing you know how how do you deal emotionally with what is happening to the world around us and i think you know what what's sort of um as much as this is um really uncomfortable and frightening or whatever i think what's interesting is that stuff is starting to come through a lot now we're seeing seeing a lot being written and researched on on this whole area and i'll, and I'll link to some of that um in in the show notes the problem with this is like this is not a sort of a a poke at uh, as us as individuals and you know pointing fingers at uh, those of us that are you know uh, on an airplane or <clears throat> eating too many burgers the problem is is that we're all implicated in in everything um, we do in our daily modern lives, especially those in highly industrialised societies. Because what I started to understand as my work journeyed into all of this is that behind everything that we, we do, there's this enormous destructive impact. So pretty much everything we do, everything we consume, um, the behaviours that we go about in our daily lives, it tends to involve a whole load of stuff having to die to enable that thing to happen. And of course, a lot of that is, you know, we can't see that death in or, you know, whether it's, whether it's, uh, you know, pollutants and waste and uh, extraction of materials and collapsing of, you know, of different species that are involved, but, you know, it's invisible to us. And what that means is, is when you have an entire kind of global civilization that are pursuing that idea. Um, ecosystems are therefore collapsing at a rate uh, where the conditions for life itself are starting to teeter in the balance. And that's sort of where, where we find ourselves. And just to re reiterate again, this isn't a blame thing. This is nobody's fault. You know, we've been born into this. But we're now at a time where individual actions are clearly not enough. Of course it needs individual change, but without this kind of systemic change, um, we're not going to make this. So, you know, our entire economic system is is designed to support and encourage this way of life. It's, it's virtually impossible to exist without being part of the destruction. I, I would say it's actually impossible. So we're in this, this um, crazy place, this urgent place where... Time is really running out for meaningful change to happen. Um, and we need 
systemic change to make the kind of rapid shifts needed to evolve to this a, a new way of being on this earth you know with systems which honor the most the most vulnerable who are currently the most implicated in, in this destruction being caused by uh, industrial growth society we need we need systems that support all life uh, and biodiversity because guess what without that humans can't survive you know you you but you know it might, it might seem obvious but you know it seems like our ruling classes and our our, our political powers just do not understand this basic fundamentals of how life operates you know systems we need systems that are based on ecological principles that are based on limits and scientific realities and where community connection and, and relationships are sort of core core design principles so so often over the years what i've found is that my energy and, and the work that i tend to do is is often exploring how to encourage more creativity to immerse and uh, journey into these enormous challenges and, and then to sort of respond from there because we've never faced these kind of global complex issues as a species ever before i mean that's you know this is a this is the human has never been in this position and so we need a kind of a creative revolution really to reimagine a way through this and i think this is why creative courage is is going to be essential and why anyone who considers creativity to be part of their work and i'd, I'd argue that's that's pretty much all of us uh, needs to step up and get involved now um but i think to be honest i mean i'd sort of given up uh last year because um you know i could just couldn't see anything happening but, you know, things have changed in the last year. You know, the energy of the school climate strikes, the energy of Extinction Rebellion. And at the start of um, this year, I um, started going on the student climate strikes uh, with my son. And I've podcasted about this in a previous episode back in back in um, Feb or March, I think. Um, but I started going on the climate marches with him and got, these are the school strikes that have been happening every month. They have been uh, extraordinary things to, to witness. Um, what I felt on those strikes was, uh, of course, this extraordinary energy uh, and this kind of moral kind of authority where youngsters are really speaking truth to power in a way which is just actually staggering in, in, in so much awe of them. Um, because of their age and and you know kind of tell stuff how it is but it, to be able to have to sort of talk about that stuff at the ages they're at is is also I find a really um, odd thing to experience and something that must be hugely challenging for them it's kind of asking our youngsters uh, to kind of grow up at such a fast rate to have to sort of start dealing with the, these kind of enormous complexities and challenges Anyway, after going on a couple of strikes, I was struck by, with all this energy and uh, outpouring that was coming from the young, and but their determination to to be to be heard, it was really clear that you could sense this kind of we're protesting, but we don't have the answers, and nor should we be seen as the solution, sort of thing. I don't know if that makes sense, but it was really clear to me that there's a kind of like wake up adults where the fuck are you our future is literally falling apart in front of us so i wanted to see how how we could help and i reached out with my good for nothing hat on um, which if you don't know good for nothing is a project i co-founded co-created about nine years ago which has a very simple mission it tries to um, convene mobilize bring kind of creative energy 
talent, networks, um, ideas around projects of social environmental change, epic projects trying to do really important work in the world that tend to be um, very, uh, have very little resources and, and good for nothing brings brings energy and creative energy around those things and tries to help accelerate uh, those projects and accelerate their impact. And it runs as a gift. It's a generosity project. So people give what they're good at. So anyway, I, I wanted to see um, how Good For Nothing could help. And I reached out to uh, Greta Thunberg's Fridays the Future platform in Sweden, see how we might, um, how we could su help support this this growing movement. And um, long story short, connected um, with the UK, uh, the fledging UK movement, which is organised through um, UKSCN, which is the UK Student Climate Network, which represents the school strikers. Um, so from April this year, started supporting um, through kind of monthly good for nothing meetups. Um, and we were just supporting with kind of communications, advice and strategy and some mentoring and some digital experiments that we that we ran with them. And then in June, there was this decision that was made globally across the uh, school strike movement around the world that um, it's time for the adults to step up with the adults are needed. And so this uh, starting in September, September the 20th, there's a call out now to um, to mobilize vast numbers of, of adults alongside the young people to uh, strike for, for climate and ecological action. And so we decided that at that moment to, to up our game um, from a good for nothing perspective. And so we formed a, uh, a collaboration. So good for nothing with um, UKSCN with another awesome crew called the Glimpse Collective. Um, and I've had James, uh, co-founder of Glimpse, on, on the show in a previous episode. And so together we designed um, an open creative challenge to the advertising media industry to use their superpowers uh, of creative persuasion to help mobilize um, a million people to, to, uh, to the climate strikes. And that's a big chunk of adults um uh, especially that we're trying to focus on so we ran a kind of uh, we ran a one-day design sprint we developed a remote brief which has been um, accessed um about 100 odd times we ran a design sprint for about 50 folks um and a bunch of different ideas have emerged and there's this kind of self-organizing network of crews and agencies and freelancers that are taking part and i think there's about a dozen projects that i can see that are starting to go live um which uh, over hopefully over the next three weeks is going to be pumped. Um, but they range from sort of uh, communication campaigns to, to kind of digital content, uh, challenges into the industry, street activations, PR stunts, people opening up networks to media, all kinds of stuff. And uh, it's super exciting. I'm going to I'll link to that uh, in the show notes if you're interested. Um, but critically, this this activity that I've been um I've been uh, really driving hard with over the last uh, couple of months. It's landed in a context, if you like, of multiple interventions and activity within the advertising creative sector around the climate and ecological crisis. And that has happened because of action from Extinction Rebellion and from the, the work that Will's been doing, which we're going to talk about uh, in the podcast. Um, and I think this is interesting. So uh, a letter was put out to the industry in, in, in May from Extinction Rebellion, which was a kind of wake up call. It was a wake up call to the industry around the climate and ecological emergency. And it was picked up by the trade media and covered widely. And we'll be chatting about that in, in much more detail 
in the conversation to come. The reason I think this is important is, and I wanted to sort of uh, explore it a bit, is that the work of Extinction Rebellion here has opened up a space. It's opened up a space for several actors and platforms that have been trying for some years to engage this sector in what is happening, uh, in, uh, engage them meaningfully in what is happening from a climate and ecological point of view and the impact of um, industrial growth society, rampant consumerism. People like myself, uh, people like uh, an organisation called the Comms Lab, headed up by Jonathan Wise, um, uh, an affiliated group called the Purpose Disruptors, all who on the back of the XR uh, letter have challenged the industry to step up and uh, to acknowledge and accept uh, this climate ecological mer- emergency and therefore what needs to be done about it and um, they've done that in a number of ways these guys put on um they put on a summit uh, uh probably two months ago now called the advertising climate crisis which was was packed i went to it. it's absolutely rammed uh, another one they're doing in a couple of weeks time i'll link to this and a whole range of gatherings and interventions and meetups that are emerging through this process uh there's the uh, great agency futera they launched um on the back of it um a creative climate disclosure project which is a, a platform for sort of radical transparency on the types of industry and clients that you support creatively um and i'll link to all of that so there's lots of stuff happening um there's definitely been a disturbance in the force um and just to note these are difficult messy uncomfortable complicated often scary sessions that are going on because let's not kid ourselves here the implications for this industry, like all industries, is enormous. And this isn't this isn't about little tweaks anymore, about little sustainable kind of updates. This is about rapid, joined up collective action and intentional creative courage in buckets to reimagine fast, short and long term changes and adaptation. You know, we, we need to move rapidly together. And so this kind of messy, uncomfortable uncertain unknowing journeys they i believe these are the only way that we can evolve to something new and how to support people through that process is going to be really key because if we really accept this crisis that we're in then we need to go on these these fast messy uncomfortable unknowing journeys and i think you know how we support each other on that is a, is a whole nother thing and, uh, and i'm going to be doing more on that uh, in, in an episode coming but anyway if you believe the science, and it's pretty hard uh, not to, right? Um, it's it's really clear. The science says we're running out of time, and the science says the kind of shifts we need in the human operating system on this Earth need to be changed rapidly at a system level. And those legislative changes, those policy changes, will only happen if we have mass movement of people and sectors across societies uniting behind that science, uniting behind that to make these changes happen politically. So there's shifts starting to happen in this in this ad industry sector. We're going to see, I think, loads of creative businesses supporting their, their staff and their people to climate strike on the 20th. Um, lots of businesses stepping up and using their creativity and their channels and their media to start talking about this stuff. And then from that, obviously, lots of businesses starting to change the way they operate, who they work with, how do they work, and starting to collectively engage because collectively we need to start helping you know, our society, our culture, understand the truth of what is happening and begin to move to something more regenerative and beautiful beyond this core idea of 
you know, rampant consumerism and material-based economies. And so, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe this sector will be the sector that starts to lead other sectors because this has got to happen across everything and it's got to happen now. So lots going on. Wanted to land that context. Um, I'll link to everything in the show notes. There's tons of stuff. Please hit me up if uh, if you want to get involved in any of this. But let's let's cut into this uh, conversation with uh, with Will Skeeping now from Extinction Rebellion. This is uh, episode 25 of the Spaceship Earth. Enjoy. Will. Hi. Welcome to the Spaceship Earth podcast. Thanks. Um, We're all crew. Yeah, exactly. We are all crew. Um, what I want, let's before we before we crack in, can you give me a little? Well, not me, the listeners, but just a sense of. Um, I tell you, I guess one, I'd love to know a little bit about your journey into Extinction Rebellion. Sure. Just a brief sort of context setting. Yeah. But also, kind of like what your what your current sort of main mission is. Absolutely. Rebellion, yeah. Um, so I uh, ended up joining Extinction Rebellion. I, this is my first ever foray into activism in any capacity um, I've been on like a Brexit march before that I think and had rolled my eyes at getting an email from Greenpeace asking for three quid a month or something so um, I'm new to all of this but the whole climate and ecological crisis has been nagging away at me for the last 20 or so years you just keep reading stuff in the papers it keeps getting worse nothing seems to happen there's no real change and it just gets more and more depressing and you begin to notice it in your real life as I've got older I'm just like anecdotal stuff from my own life becomes like shockingly apparent um be it insects on a windscreen in the 80s to now you know it's it sounds crazy but it's real so um whether or not that is a sort of bigger symptom it certainly jarred me into action and um I was living I moved to Copenhagen for a few months thinking about sort of hiding out in a kind of eco paradise or what felt like one with lots of nice people on bikes and friendly attitudes and um realized that there was no way that was going to make a difference in the bigger picture and I've got a background in advertising I've got a background in media communications used to work at Google did some stuff in music industry for a long time content and whatnot and um, got to this point where I was just like shit nothing is going to change here and I almost joined a bunch of preppers in America with guns in Portland, um, learning how to like skin a rabbit and live in a tree. And then I slipped a disc in my back, which is probably stress related and realized that I was definitely going to be lunch for someone if I didn't do something. So I ended up coincided exactly the right time with someone posting Extinction Rebellion stuff online, a big launch date. I saw the logo. I was like, that's really cool. Um, I read the blurb. It didn't look like something from an NGO it looked like a real thing and the people who were recommending it to me looked like you know they were great old friends and I thought this looks amazing turned up at the launch date the uh rebellion declaration day outside of parliament I came home a day early from Copenhagen one of my November last, was it last yeah, year? October last year October 31st one of my last flights back to London came home day early turned up thinking yes this is going to be loads of trendy cool people and it's all like this is how it begins and I turned up and it absolutely wasn't or at least I didn't see that side of it I saw a load of people who looked a lot like activists as I knew them but I also saw a lot of people like me looking confused and like wondering where the party was and I think we all simultaneously went shit we can really add value to this we can be a part of this and we can make it what we want it to be and it seems that like everyone who turned up and there were quite a few hundred all had the same feeling and there was this desperate urge to project onto this to make it more than what it was and as a result you know everyone feels deeply emotionally invested in the growth and development of this incredible movement and um i've been full-time since day one i dropped the projects i was doing it seemed like a no-brainer this was the one and here i am eight nine months later ten months later whatever it is and we're heading towards our second rebellion yeah, that's, and, and it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because it seems that it seems like a hell of a lot has happened, 
you so you started off like that and then you but you've you, at the current you've got quite a distinct kind of mission that you're yeah. spearheading can you tell us a bit about that sure so um in the process of uh sort of joining in full time I've, I've ended up touching a lot of the different projects a lot across the movement and some I've gone really deep into some I've sort of just had a little surface look at and see what I can do to help and it's a sort of nice way of joining the dots between what's happening and one of the things where I think we can all add value is thinking about the skill sets we've got the audiences we understand and the language they speak and le- working out how to sort of essentially target or to challenge or to um, bring them within to and wake them up to this climate and ecological emergency that's affecting us all. So in my case, I'd previously or recently been working in advertising. Um, I was at McCann for a couple of years, lovely people, Robin Lowell, awesome, um, and had a slightly less pleasant time at Virtue, which is Vice's agency. But um, in the process, you know, got a sense of what was going on in advertising and realized that there was a sort of slight, you know, there was there's a miscommunication failure in a communications industry. And... these are people who hadn't woken up to their role within the climate crisis in the way that I hadn't really woken up to it until Extinction Rebellion came along. So yeah, I'm now involved in a challenge to the advertising industry and it's not something I'm doing alone. Um, Everything we do within Extinction Rebellion is about building communities and doing things together. So it's not just my voice against an industry. It's a whole load of us waking up and getting our heads around this and working out what we can do in a positive way. So we're not going around naming and shaming individual agencies individual projects creatives briefs any of that we're just saying look guys there's a massive crisis um let's all come to terms with that so we're going off and speaking to people about that and then asking them what they can do to help and it's about visioning something better rather than necessarily destroying and dragging stuff down and getting dwelling on the darker end of things it's looking at how that creativity can come to life those uh, stories can be told better and using those skill sets to amplify um the nature of this emergency why um why is this industry kind of quite critical in your sense you know what it what's you know i guess there's quite a lot in that but i guess just give us a sense of why this 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 particular sector feels quite an urgent one sure well we haven't gone and specifically targeted advertising just going like right you guys are bastards it's more like what we're looking at is any area where there's an, an industry with a massive influence on people and their behavior um, so we've also in February when we before our big rebellion we also did a challenge to the fashion industry and the fashion London Fashion Week specifically not that that's a particularly influential one but it's like a good starting point we're in the UK and that's who we're talking to and again the fashion industry plays a massive part in people's behavior and their consumption habits and that's something the advertising industry does as well it's like um, it, you know across digital across all the spaces we consume think read all the, those spaces are funded by advertising in many ways and the the messages people are seeing um make a difference to the way they consume and behave so if ever there was a platform to speak to and use or to make better this is definitely one of them one of the things that's always sort of um fascinated terrified <laughs> but also something i guess something i've because i've you know i've been working with a foot in this industry for for quite a few years as well and i guess the more I've learned and understood about um, how how much, when we talk about climate and we talk about carbon and stuff, but how much uh, emissions are embedded in consumption. So, you know, we sort of, we often yeah. think, I think, in our you know, society as we learn more and more about climate change and now obviously climate crisis and this kind of reframe that's going on. But for most people, my sense is, is that, 
you know we look, we think of fossil fuels we think of we think of these kind of big companies and whatever but actually when you look into it how much of our consumption is you know um you know emissions if you like are a symptom of consumption there's sure they're, they're, they're in everything sure and uh and when you look at everything from the food we eat the drinks the travel the things we buy there's so much in that and then you know if it's look at the uk and the you know then we have an advertising uh spend per capita that's sort of second highest in the world or something yeah it's interesting right because it's not only i guess the influence of the, the ability i guess of this industry to influence but actually it's sort of the engine room in many ways of part of the problem which or at I least guess is what makes it so or tricky. it's the steering room or something right. but it's definitely like on board that vessel which is yeah. moving there i think it's worth pointing out at this point that um Extinction Rebellion is not solely concerned with the climate crisis. It's the climate and ecological crisis. Yeah. And th- that means like a massive loss of biodiversity, habitat loss. Um, and we consider that the same root cause of climate change and biodiversity loss comes from this like completely uh, sort of fucked attitude to um, all aspects of society that we've built. Yeah. So with that in mind, I think it's like... Um, it's worth considering that, yeah, like the advertising industry is a huge driver um, of getting the messages from clients, from businesses that are making stuff and getting them into people's hands and changing their behaviors and altering the ways in which they consume and what becomes normal. Like whether you or not you change your phone every year, or whether you eat meat or, yeah. you know, and Extinction Rebellion isn't about telling people exactly what to do to sure. change their behavior. We're not going, hey, Extinction Rebellion says no flying, no more meat. Da, da, da. What we are saying is we want citizens assemblies to help decide what we are prepared to do as, as, as humans, as citizens and giving that power back to the people. But the, the, the environment in which we are acting and trying to make these changes is in many ways set by influencers and by not just influencers as individuals, but by the businesses and corporations who exert influence on our society. And the most visible form of that is in advertising. Mm. I mean, it's, it, is, it, is, it is nuts when you, um, when you get into this, because again, and, and uh, we've been chatting a lot about um, recently about the you know this hypocrisy idea that you know we we challenge people at the moment you know it's like climate ecological activism you know it's very quickly this hypocrisy thing comes in you know people say oh yeah but you know you're you call yourself an activist but you get on a plane or yeah and, sure and we're in this kind of culture again where it's kind of like you know it's this polarized idea right you're either right or you're wrong but actually this idea we're all fucking hypocrites right because we're effectively we're all you know we're born into this system right we absolutely we designed it we're we're part of it we're inherently everything we do unfortunately has this impact um so you know even this idea of consumerism as a core idea the fact that you know the more you consume the more planet we have to <laughs> we have to extract to turn into stuff yeah you know it's yeah. like and and even that so that level of sort of awareness understanding is missing culturally right totally um, i think that's why we go out of our way not to call anyone out yeah because otherwise like no one would ever get on board with this and i think it's really difficult i think it's called the straw man fallacy i think it's known right. as which is like people go oh i'm not listening to that guy he's got no shoes on and he's you know a total hippie but at the same time the other end of that is going well i'm not listening to that person because you once got on a plane you know yeah and therefore so it's like well look you just don't want to change that's yeah. the reality and not everyone is going to change their behaviors which is why we're looking at how we can get systemic change which is going 
beyond the individual and looking at how we can all make a difference that's like legislated that we do this together rather than as individuals and i think the reality is like yeah we should all look at how we change our behaviors personally i've stopped flying and i stopped eating meat and i'm trying to do whatever i can in general to be better and not everyone can do that and that's fine i'm in a lucky privileged position that i'm able to sort of doesn't make a huge difference to my life based on fact i live in central london various other factors but like that that's that is essentially a privileged position and i'm acutely aware of that but that's why we're looking at the big systemic change that we're all going to need to make a difference rather than focusing on individual actions and calling people out and blaming everyone for their smallest nuances i'm sure there's lots of people who didn't get a boat to the united nations events in new york you know who are going to fly over there but they're react there but what they're going to do there will make a big global difference having said that like i saw what google did the other week where they had a big climate summit as part of and they flew in you know and everyone turned up in their massive super yachts and they're flying in on private jets and you think to yourself fuck what kind of pr like muppetry is going on there like fire your team involved in that like come on like this is you know it's an emergency Mm. do you really with all that cash you couldn't have just got a few hydro you know boats and done this in a nice way and there's i don't know it just feels like yeah there's i'm not calling out google in any of this because i'm you know nice one for having a summit and congratulations for even theming it around this you know they could have done it around ai or any other kind of geoengineering or something much more terrifying or these days it's probably spaceships but like whatever it is like shout out for having got that conversation moving and hopefully leveraging all those billions of dollars there let's just hope that the reality is that from that you know summit came you know some significant change yeah so so let's go back to like, so my, uh, so if we think about the, let's just think about the ad sector for, for a while. Yeah. Um, so I think it was, when, when was it? Was it May or something when there was a letter that was put to, to the industry? Yeah. The, I think the, the uh, April rebellion comes to a finish, right? And it was quite a provocative letter that sort of went out. Um, but uh, as someone that's been sort of like, you know, throwing spanners into this system for, for, for a few years. For me, it was fantastic. I was, I was quite excited by that provocation because, again, I think, you know, it, it's not a blame thing, but it's this idea that, you know, the kinds of shifts and changes that are required are so beyond what we can... <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, we have to shake things up. So so just talk me through, though, what's been happening since that, since that provocation. Because actually, as we were talking about earlier, you know, then that also just quickly before we go into the XR piece, but what I've seen as a sort of practitioner and kind of change work in this space is that what what that did was open up a space for quite a lot of stuff that started happening. Yeah. But tell, tell me what, well, tell me a little bit about Shall I read the letter out? Yeah, do, two, yeah. Let's just go, okay, so just yeah. a, a quick recap yeah, for everyone who didn't get this. Yeah. Um, in, well, let's just look at the date here. This was in uh, May. Yeah. We sent this letter and it went, it got published in Campaign, The Drum, Ad Week, I think, and a few other people picked it up. Um, and it was written by two amazing women uh, in, I'm not going to name them, I'm not sure they want to be named, but like one was an extremely very, very senior creative director um, who used to work in London and now lives in Los Angeles. And the other was um, lives in Bristol and has got a background in editorial. They're just dream team. Um, and they we, we talked about the structure and then they just penned it and made it into something really special that just really got to the crux. So this is it. Dear founders, CEOs, CCOs, CMOs, CFOs, MDs, and CDs of the advertising industry, you didn't think we'd forget about you. We know you like things simple, so here they are. We're not on the verge of the sixth mass extinction, we're in it. If everything on the planet dies, we die. 
That's not a distant future. We're only a few years away from an irreversible temperature climb, although biodiversity destruction may get us first. What can I do, you're thinking? I'm just the founder, CEO, CMO, CCO, CFO, MD, CD of a global advertising agency. The answer is you can do anything you want and you can shift mass behavior in a heartbeat. One of the reasons we've got here is because you've been selling things to people that they don't need. You are the manipulators and architects of that consumerist frenzy. Imagine what would happen if you devoted those skills to something better. No, making a small campaign to give up drinking from plastic straws is not going to cut it. Neither is doing some pro bono for an anti-palm oil initiative. Here's the thing you can do. Declare a climate and ecological emergency and act accordingly. Persuade your clients and their audiences to do the same. If you don't make this change, consumers will insist you do. Look at the streets of London. In the last month, people are beginning to see where the problems lie, and soon they will see you. You have an extraordinary moment to be on the right side of history, and that's not something that can get postponed to Q3. It needs action right now. Just do it. Be all that you can be. Impossible is nothing. We're here to support you in this vital transition. Contact Extinction Rebellion. So, yeah, it was kind of like a little bit tongue-in-cheek it was a bit it's really funny actually because the way people took it says a lot about their feelings of guilt and culpability in this so some people were like you wrote that really aggressive letter you you know who are you to come in and tell and you're like shit that's it you must feel really fucking guilty about this because you took that like in the worst possible sense whereas other ceos read it and went shit that was really nicely put really like that god we really should do better shouldn't we and you realize then that there's just different levels of people getting this and different levels of guilt and anger and frustration and what we did find was that it didn't take much of a nudge one letter an open letter to the industry to capture a lot of imagination a lot of people's attention and that everyone went oh my god oh my god i know we're so bad it's so awful i'm so sorry and we're like don't be sorry to us but like it just shows that the tiniest nudge was all it needed to wake everyone up to the fact that like we're in a real problem and that the advertising industry is not the good guys no matter how much can lions worthwhile stuff it's why we put that jibe in about the you know palm oil initiatives and since we did that letter we've had a great response a few agencies have invited us in and we've done some really nice uh talks with them to them about the crisis we've got a sort of standardized heading for extinction and what to do about it talk that's the same one that's been used by extinction rebellion in and outside of advertising in all capacities as part of a grassroots movement building exercise and then from that point we uh then thought about how we could sort of take things further and we weren't sure if anyone was going to take us seriously and with that in mind we went to the can lions we turned up um, with our French Extinction Rebellion colleagues. So it was a really good exercise for us in sort of transnational uh, action development. And we'll hopefully see a lot more of that. Good so EU joined up. Yeah, EU, ex- uh, collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the French have, you know, like they, they really know how to do a protest. Like let's be, we're, I feel like I'm in the, in good hands when I'm with the French. Like they, you know, do May 68 for breakfast. So it's really, um, it was really cool. And, what we found in doing this can lines protest was that that's a that's a whole nother business model in itself you know they've got a job which is to make money you know doing events they're not even necessarily that bothered about advertising i don't know you know it's like they're running a big events thing on the can coast and the machine right yeah and i don't have anything personal against those guys we just it's where the advertising industry is and we had to be there to make sure that we're in that conversation now what we discovered while we were there was that there's a lot of shit in that industry that is desperately trying to avoid dealing with the big stuff. It'll 
happily put plasters on bullet wounds all day to avoid dealing with the big structural problems and to some degree i think i'm you know again i've only got a fairly few years experience in advertising but the business models of advertising are beginning to be challenged by the tech players and you can see that like something structural is going to have to change anyway and yet you see it can everybody dancing around business as normal business as usual and there's these tech companies creeping in with their own conversations around in this case diversity and you'd see a panel discussion at facebook and it's like wow this is like a benetton advert lineup of people meanwhile let's not forget that facebook were incredibly vital to the process of getting some of the most far-right racist people in the world into power um and they also can lines almost platformed uh, the guys from cambridge analytica so like you know that's a fucked conversation how can you halfway be talking about like diversity and you know maybe a doff of the hat to climate crisis and on the other side you're literally like looking at how you can do better at flogging stuff and essentially you know hurting people around the planet so it's really really weird and i've never been to can lions before i've been to medem which is the music industry equivalent but can lions was like a whole nother thing i mean i really never want to go back ever again and i hope that if we do go back it'll be with ten thousand more people it was really mad and the conversation it still needs a massive nudge and we realized that even a small number of us getting a bit of profile stuff getting arrested on the beaches doing protests at facebook getting arrested outside can there's a huge resistance from even we got a letter from the mayor going please don't disrupt what we're doing here this is like our bit where we make money this is like you know there's a huge resistance to change mm. systemic change and the mayor of can going but please, you must recognize as we have great uh, credentials. We, we are recycling our rubbish in the streets. And we're like, dude, this is more of the same shit. This is not systemic change. We're still going to die if we're talking about recycling a bit of trash. This is not going to cut it. Ah! So, yeah, we are still challenging the advertising industry. We are trying to mobilize agencies. We're trying to look at how we can change business. And we're trying to look at what we can do on a systemic level rather than a pro bono initiative level. And what's been, so since then, <clears throat> um, you've been doing the talks. Yep. Who, I mean, what does good look like for you? Like, for, let's, let's go to sort of the agency piece first, because I guess there's also, you know, we've also got brands and business here who are effectively funding sure. these whole things anyway. And that's, I guess that's another, that's another, it's a, you know, can you put these things together? You could say, you know, the agencies are, are, are there to, as, as, uh, to serve the, the businesses or whatever. Yeah. But just from an agency perspective, what f what f um, is emerging as, you know, what good would look like from the XR perspective? What would a good yeah. agency now look like? Well, it's really funny because we did the talk at Wyden and Kennedy and we were invited in. And I've got to say, I was really, really impressed by the way they got their head around this and the proactivity of inviting us in. And then the response from the top down from CEOs and all the rest of it. And that was for me like really heartwarming to see an international agency whether they're independent or part of a network you know there's an independent agency and they came in and they engaged with the ecological and climate crisis on an emotional level and that for me is the very first step of this process it wasn't like great crisis what can we do to help oh we've got a few junior creatives who wanted this was like the ceo the entire agency together in a room listening to the same talk and dealing with that sort of essentially outpouring of grief that comes with that and by that i mean somebody texted after the event saying have you just done the talk at widen and kennedy i've just seen four people outside crying and one of their global ceos had to get off a 
call, a global call, I think it was, and came back into the room and said, look, I'm sorry, I just broke out in tears on that call. They were literally getting their head around this on an emotional level. And that, for me, is the most important thing because what follows after that is what's needed, that action to begin to look at how you can transform your business in both the short and longer term to make the changes necessary for this future we're all facing. So if I had to pick one thing, it would be deal with this on an emotional basis so that all future decision-making can come through that lens of the climate and ecological crisis and challenging business as usual within your own organization as much as like beyond that and into the world. Um, the second thing they've done and that other agencies are doing is getting together. So we're all about building communities. And when CEOs speak to other CEOs, that's where change happens. Again, it's not about like asking one person to give up their flights or one agency to stop flying or one agency to start doing something good. It's about everyone getting together and doing change together. And with that in mind, what we're hoping will happen is that as we do this roadshow around the agencies, as people begin to ask us to come in, as they speak to other organizations who are doing similar challenges, there's this great guys, purpose disruptors who are doing really cool stuff. Um, the stuff you're doing, and I hope you're going to, mention this in a second but like we are um we're hopefully building a kind of uh, a system a um an environment in which like change is both like profoundly acceptable also something aspirational and one in which like people can work together as a community for change so we want the ceos of of an agency to phone up the other agency ceos and go guys how can we move together how do we hold hands on this one metaphorically or in real life and charge forward so how do we make sure we all drop our toxic clients together how do we make sure that like we do um we use our powers to tell the truth together how do we all go out on the streets and work from the streets um during the extinction next extinction rebellion like everyone knows how to work remotely why not just set up a you know we work style space with a good internet connection and have all your team work from the streets you know there's so many cool interesting ways you can do things including coming up with cool creative projects which I'd, i hope you're going to mention yeah and, I, and it's, I, it's it's so fascinating to hear because i think that the so the element of emotion and and grieving and, and so you know in my journey over the last few years you know that's where you know change only comes if you go on the descent you have yeah. to come on, you have to let go you have to unravel and when you look at the thing, the struggle is, I guess, in these kind of organizations, which have for many years have been built on, you know, uh, smartness, knowing everything, being sure. ultra, ultra competitive, outgunning everyone creatively, because, you know, it's an industry that loves to get ahead of everyone else. Totally. So to, to, to move into that space of not knowing and, you know, um, you know, of grief because you're having to let go of some stories that we've been living by all our lives most of us that, I mean, it's going to be harder for like if you've been working your way up the slippery pole of advertising right. so i had to do a talk the other day to some young marketing professionals and i can't remember the name of the organization but it was they had a retreat of a few days where they got all these young bods out and yeah. And I got invited out by an amazing guy called Chris Goral Barnes, who's super nice. And he's doing tons of awesome marine conservation yeah. work. He just really has got his head around this. Just the Blue Marine Foundation. And he's just, he's just legit as hell and really nice. And he opened his address book in a really profound way and just went, right, how do we make a big difference? And I think we're on a panel together with him. Yeah, we are. Weeks. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but he's just like super swell guy. And uh, he invited me along to come and be the kind of Extinction Rebellion gloomer who comes and goes, right, oh, this is what's happening, before he leapt in with some good stuff. And unfortunately, my sort of 
I was, I think I was having a bit of a grievy week about the whole thing mm. and feeling a bit lost in yeah. the kind of, you know, how is any change really going to happen unless we get more dramatic? And I just said to everyone in this thing going like, you're all here talking about your career trajectories over the next 10 years to be made to be the new CEOs of these businesses. Do you really think there's going to be business in 10 years? Do you really think like anyone's going to give a fuck about CEOs? Like we're going to be worried about where our next meals coming from if we can find if we're still alive you know things are going to be nuts mm. like you've got to get your head around this and there were a lot of stony-faced people in a room staring at me um before somebody made a sort of twatty comment because they just obviously hadn't quite got their head around it yeah um and somebody else kind of looked a bit sort of sheepish and said and wrote me a very long linkedin page from saying what they're desperately trying to do internally because they've got and that was the only person in the room who had a kid and i was like mm. wow that's hardcore and i kind of felt guilty about it afterwards when i walked out and chris was like dude that was quite a lot and i was like no 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 i think you know yes sorry didn't mean yeah. to piss in your bonfire but you know we are going to need some radical truth telling here yeah and in terms of coming getting your head around what this means for your career and your business as usual and that approach of thinking like why am i doing this why am i engaged in this industry even and like how we may perceive this industry in 10 years time like do you think we're going to feel how are we going to feel about selling people crap now or good things or whatever just set the consumption mm. when the foods run out we'll look back and we'll be like oh god this was a really culpable industry it wasn't like or you know no matter how much good you do this is about the big 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 picture yeah. and it's difficult to step back from that it's very hard i mean the thing i um, everyone buddy sorry everyone in the west here is in some way guilty like if you are walking out the door of your house or flat or whatever you're like pretty much going to consume something so i'm so not having a pop at sure no. anyone this is just like we're all in we're that in process we're all in tough it. you know we've got to we've got to unpick it yeah yeah i think this is interesting. so the when you look at the sort of like, like this this idea of system transformation and i think you know people as i mean again you know the, the there's a huge job still to be done to get people to understand this in order to to, to create things like citizens assemblies to actually sure co-create these new policies that we need to change systems but this shift of understanding, this transformational shift, it require it mean it requires a a shift of identity, right? Of of because our you know, we're you know, I watch it with my I look at you know, I look at my teenage son, I look at how he's growing up, I look at how his identity is is influenced by what he sees, what's around him, Absolutely. what's coming at him through social media. And, um, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're sort of institutionalized now to think of ourselves as sort of consumers and, you know, so, so this, sh so I'm interested again, when we think about this industry, one of the things I think like, you know, chat a lot in the past with people is like, you know, you know, what industries will die, you know, what industries need to die in order for new things to be born, you know, so, you know, we talk about like the coal industry died, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and people talk about, you know, oh, yeah, but we could, you know, we could transition these fossil fuel industries into clean energy companies and we could, you know, there's all these, you look at certain industries, you can see these kind of transitions. And I think about the advertising, and I said something, something well, you know, can we think beyond, like, how, you know, how many, you know, will this industry, will it have to downsize significantly? And what type of roles could it take in the future? Like, if we need to get to a sense of sort of a, 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 a society that is ecologically literate, for example, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, what might be the role of this type of industry in 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 waking people up to that? Do you know Absolutely, what I mean? or, communicating yeah. the nature of the crisis, right. but also like making aspirational those lifestyles which are going to be 
net positive rather right. than net negative. I think it's really interesting you mentioned sort of personas in this mm. um, and identity because I, so I do a little talk um, about music mediation um, at the Sorbonne every year mm. and it's like a little sort of talk which I expand on each year um, and it gets more and more mad as the world gets crazier but it plots a trajectory between Woodstock and Coachella Festival and on the way of this process I talk about how brands and business have worked with music to help sort of mediate with audiences and use music as a mediatory tool and a lot of what I end up finding myself talking about is um, this idea of the creation of new personas and particularly around electronic music and EDM guy and I'll never forget I went to Coachella Festival in 2006 I think it was a seven I, I, I won't remember the date but I'll remember the event and I was there and I was actually with some people from Google and some Facebook people and there was just this like and I was there also in a music industry capacity so I come from London been in going to Sonar Festival for years cynical fucker love dance music been into raves for years and there's this like big weird corporate event and you're in a field and something feels a bit wrong anyway, but it's like pre-smartphone. So it's already kind of, it's weird. Anyway, yeah. cut long story short, there's Daft Punk playing in the distance wearing robot hats and there's this big pyramids of light and stuff. And we're like, me and my friend Tom, like, God, it's really quiet. Like, this is just cheesy fucking, you know, we've done, we did all this years ago. You know, Homework's a good album, but this is just what... These, everyone from Facebook and Google is jumping up and down like, oh my God, do you know what this means? And we're like, yeah, it means you've like not worked out how to turn the fucking volume up properly in a grave. And they were like, no, this is this changes everything. This is where like, uh, where dance music isn't gay anymore and we can sell it to people and it's going to be a whole thing. This is it. And from that moment, you just saw like monster energy, Red Bull, everyone just sweep in going, right, new persona invented. It's EDM guy and they drive a Scion and they drink monster energy and they do this and they've got this much money and they love Kanye but they don't like you know, whatever this persona is and you're like fuck this is how it works America has got these goths it's got jocks it's got whatever and this was an opportunity to go let's invent Euro EDM guy and we'll just flog all these brands around it and we'll just create this person and I keep thinking about this in terms of environmentalism and think right how do you like and that's kind of what we're trying to do is create a better persona yeah. of like and if not an individual but like words and a, and a sort of um, non-consumable framework around which we can all do better so our art department use words like frugality humility it's a whole different range of non-commodifiable phrases but they're emblazoned on people's clothing and in our kind of attitudes and everything we do and that's really useful for helping to build a new type of kind of accessible identity which people can help sort of fill or build on if they want to, if they don't have that sort of... And we're not trying to create a type of activist. If anything, sure. like that's the opposite of what we're trying to do. Yeah. We're trying to create a space that's open to everyone. But if you have those skills, if you want to make aspirational doing better for people and to make that accessible and it's not going oh yeah it's a bunch of guys with dreadlocks on a bridge by the way thank you very much to all the guys with dreadlocks on a bridge the first responders to a climate emergency so we should never slag anyone off like that at all but if we're trying to get the next million 10 million 100 million people on board with this movement there's an amazing way the advertising industry can help target and build and grow that and make it look accessible in the same way that extinction rebellion has made activism accessible and to help normalize people being on the street and i like to think we've done a good job of that so far then this is the bit where creating an identity where it's fine to be vegan and it's good to not fly and that, those things to be aspirational instead of it being cool to take a sky shot out of the window of your plane or to be seen on a private jet or any of that jazz it's like let's make an identity let's make identities and let's support those identities which are doing better you yeah, know it's brilliant and i think the um 
uh, I guess what that's, I think w there's another really interesting edge, I think, that's emerging with all this stuff. So what I've experienced through the Good For Nothing journey over the last nine years, like, like when I that's when I like I started good for nothing when I was work, that was the last time I worked in an agency and uh, I was struggling with the lack of engagement in these issues from the corporate clients so it was like well, let's just do something ourselves you know and at that point it was like well who where are the interesting activists you know and like can we bring them creative help um, and can we create these kind of environments where people can help these these things like like a, it was a hack type idea. But what became really interesting to me quite early on was it wasn't just about what you were doing for the cause. It was the people that were giving time. There was a kind of aliveness that st people start going, shit, I'm doing some stuff. It's a Saturday. I'm helping out this group or I'm, I'm using my skills. It might be I'm a writer or I'm a designer. Yeah. Or, you know, we used to have DJs come and just play music or someone would cook up food for a hundred people, you know. And it was what it was was the participation. And there's something about, you know, if there is a sort of post-consumption thing, the area, and I think where XR has, you know, has, has sort of come, you know, exploded out, is because at least one of the things I think is interesting, it's it's participative. It's It invites participation. But it's real participation, yeah, spending their real uncommodifiable time. Absolutely. And, but so, and there's many ways for people to step into that space. Definitely. And I think if you look at sort of conventional, you know, activism fast, you'd have, you know, you'd have a, you, well, at least people's perception tended to be hardcore activists and I'll, and I'll just put some funding in or I'll click the yeah. petition or whatever. But now what you're doing with XR is is opening up this way of people seeing... That they can give something, they can they can step into a space, not y something else. Yeah, and I think there's a there's a point about um, the idea of like people going, be brave with your, be brave to do new exciting creative stuff. Well, I think the bravest thing you can do is step outside of that commodifiable space and into doing something kind of that is in the real world. Yeah. And I think that the the phrase we've used in an upcoming piece that's going to be in the drum is inviting creatives to. Um, do their creative work in the news, not the ad break. Be a part of like where the actual real world happens, not in this safe space that's highly hmm. restrained and the barriers are kind of defined and you've got a set time. There's no one telling you, there's no brief. You can do whatever you want. You don't even have to obey the law. That's the beauty of this. There's no health and safety. Just go off and do it. Mm. It's dead easy. But it's um but again, it's like having that that bravery to get beyond those safe spaces of advertising and all the environment that goes with it and all the backpacking that goes with it too. You know, like you don't, I'm encouraging everyone who's coming from advertising, to, who's developing cool initiatives, working with activism, not to enter them for any awards. And I think that would be kind of toxic to do that because from my side, I don't feel I'm ever going to be able to cash in any cool points or any useful transferable skills I develop within activism because basically if we don't do it, if we, if we do get this job done, then the world is going to change so dramatically that maybe I don't know how these any skill sets I pick up here are going to be useful within trying to flog more shit. I'm not going to ever try and flog more shit again. Yeah, yeah. That's done. I'm never going back to selling stuff to people. Yeah. I might go in to help transform. And that's the weird thing is you're asking people to give up their time in a way that, you, yeah, you can put it on LinkedIn. You might look cool, whatever. But like, you're never going to be able to use those skills to sell stuff in the future because once you get your head around this crisis, yeah. you recognize that business as usual continues it's all over forever. All of this, the industry, everything you've done, every piece of culture we've developed as humans up until this point is going in a big bin and no one's going to give a fuck. 
and the other option is that we have a massive transformation of yeah. everything we're doing and business as usual is going to end and all the criteria we've set ourselves those awards and all the rest of it like you said are going to have to they're, they're going to be irrelevant blocks of metal and glass on you know precarious probably burning mantelpieces yeah and so what are you hoping to see more of like from this from the agency world from the ad world in the next in the coming months because obviously you got where are we we're we're nearly into September. Yeah. We've got the school climate strikes and the global Great. climate strikes coming, which we're all got stuff going on. Uh, and, and it feels like there's a, there's a wave of, 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 of participation in yeah. that stuff coming from the ad sector through the stuff we've been doing with Good for Nothing. And then you've got the Autumn Rebellion. What, what, are, you, what are you hoping to see from this, from this, um, this industry over the next couple of months? What would I, you love to see? We've got, I mean, it's going to be a busy, busy time. The conversations already moved very fast. I've seen it change over the last year and I've sort of felt like a, it's been great to be a part of that the bit that we we're heading towards is september it's the school strikes on the 20th to the 27th there's going to be loads going on there greta thunberg's actions and activities and what she's been building and how that's going to happen globally now there's if everyone doesn't know there's a thing called climate justice which is a term you sometimes hear at protests and i have to explain this because i only found out about it Mm. embarrassingly late after i joined extinction rebellion but it's really like the crux of all of this and it's around inequality and climate justice has a few axes the first is understanding what we do in the west has a massive impact um and creates an inequality with all those people on the other side of the planet the majority world the global south where what we do and our consumption habits destroy their world and it's already affecting people in a big way all over the planet the second one and this is the one which is concerning for uh school strikes is what we do now in the present has a massive creates massive inequality in the way that people in the future and future generations will live and their abilities to enjoy our planet in a normal way and their lives are going to suffer immeasurably so if you're concerned about people on the other side of the planet who aren't you and you're concerned about future generations and there being any point in the future then like this is a really busy time to get stuck in and the third one by the way is like what we do as humans affecting the rest of our biosphere and all the animals and plant life and everything within mm. it. so climate justice is a vital part of getting your head around what you can do and if you've got your head around this the first thing you can do is get involved with school strikes that means like go on strike as an agency if you're a CEO, support the people going on strike and encourage them to do so and go on general strike over that week. And I think this is something that Greta's really appealing to everyone to do. And it's trying to create an environmental disruption, sorry, an, an economical disruption, which will lead to people really waking up to this as a bigger cause. And I highly recommend any CEOs to support their businesses, support all their staff in doing this. Um, the conversation is moving very fast. And if in a few months time if you don't do it you may really regret it because you might yeah. look like one of the bad guys for starters if you're bothered about appearance and image um the second thing is is off the back of the school strikes which is great and it's the kids and that's awesome and they are who we're doing this for essentially um extinction rebellion i'm not saying like oh and this is when the adults come out but sure. it's definitely like it's it's still an incredibly nice space to be in it's like the most family friendly protest it's profoundly and only works when it's non-violent and we've had zero incidences so far we train people in non-violence and it's an amazing thing to join in and be a part of there's no you know you don't have to get arrested yeah no i mean i I can speak i mean in the april me and my son were on uh, up in london on the the streets and we you know he was desperate to go through the arrestees workshop and (laughs) and he was desperate to get arrested and i was like look this is going on for a few months let's pick our moment (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly but you don't like you will you know people may get arrested in front of you to cheers and applause but but it was it was it was a beautiful i mean for me again as someone that's been sort of like you know active for years i I mean i was blown away by the energy 
Uh, but also, one of the things that someone, you know, some of my peers were asking about, well, what, what, you know, what is really going on here? And I said, well, actually, what, one of the biggest, most interesting things I thought was, uh, was, uh, was the fact that it's creating space for quite unusual conversations to start happening between the public you know, so actually Absolutely. you're having more people bumping into this stuff. And what is this? Yeah. And then the dialogue opens up and then the, the ability for people to kind of interact around this stuff and actually make sense of it yeah. in a civic space. Totally. That for me was some of the most profound stuff because you could see people going, I get it now. I understand. And, and this is about all of it. It's not about this or, you know, it's not, about, you know, this is about our futures. And so these spaces that it's opening up as well as the, you know, the protest itself. It's about also showing what's possible if you want yes. it to be. You yeah. can just turn a m four lanes of traffic into a festival yeah. with a skateboard ramp and free vegan food and gigs and all the rest of it. You just have to have the will to do it yeah. and enough enthusiasm to make it happen. That's all it is. So it's all about visioning a better future and trying to show how things can be better if we want them to be. And with that in mind, I guess we're calling out to all the creatives, all the people within all advertising industry sort of who have a skill set and who want to bring it to, to what we're doing to help us vision that better future. And that means uh, joining us in our protests and and offering your creativity and your um, time towards helping make the fe the protests the best thing that they can be, and they are going to be you know profoundly meaningful if we get the job done. We're not building a new annual Glastonbury. We're not doing like ah, oh, this is going to be part of the cultural calendar mm. of the year. This is not about that at all. This is about actual change. We've got three very clear demands. We need them met by the government. We need everyone to sort of transform their thinking. And if this is another raise awareness raising exercise, well, that's cool. But like, it means that we're going to have to come back in April, um, much in a, in a different capacity. And we don't know where the conversation will be by then we don't know if there'll be radical climate terrorists by then if i was from the maldives i'd be pretty pissed off mm. you know we don't know if the police will have tear gas by then we don't even know what's going to go on with the sort of current state of politics we've got a very small window to do something yeah. where we know basically what sort of you know approximately where the rules are and where we can play and make room for action so yeah come and join us and if you just engage in the conversation with us and with all the other people who are um, waking up to this and most importantly build communities speak to your colleagues speak to people who are your adversaries from other agencies and stop treating them like that and recognize that we're all on this spaceship together yeah yeah i like that does um just um i mean we can talk about the wrap-up and some links to to how people can connect into this now or we've got more people within the sector that are wanting to step sure. into this space um it was it, one just final thought was actually back to Glastonbury quickly, but it was just, uh, I was watching Gail Bradbrook talk at Glastonbury yeah. and uh, what was interesting for me was how she was talking to the crowd there as actually like, you know, we have, we are so privileged in this country. Yes, yeah, seriously. Um, when we look at what's going on with the meltdown that's occurring already all over the world, that actually, you know, it's, it's, it's our duty really to step forward now because... I'm so glad you brought this up. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Like if you're, in my case, white, fairly privileged male living in central London, like, yeah, it's my absolute duty to do something. And I and and it's much, much harder. There's people on the front lines. I co-edited the Extinction Rebellion handbook and I had to, you know, look at, speak to, talk to, discuss these issues with people on the front lines in other countries. Like activists are being murdered around the world by governments and big companies in france some of my colleagues who did the can protest with us got tear gassed a week later really quite unpleasantly it's like not 
they're not fucking around and we're in a very privileged position in london in the uk and also i say that as a you know white male i'm you know if you're a person of color you go through a very different perspective on police and the arrest process but again we're not asking everyone to get arrested and we do respect that people have different experiences within this but i feel it's certainly my duty to do what i can in this current environment so yeah it's a much bigger global picture and since we've got a essentially quite a sweet deal with the rule of law currently being in place and Priti Patel hasn't sent the army on the streets yet <laughs> we need to do whatever we can while yeah. this window is open which which again just sort of as we close this down I guess it's just like again thinking about the creative sector and beyond advertising right thinking of all these cultural sectors film music um because there's again I mean the, the book as well is I think it's you know it's an it's a brilliant handbook which everyone should read because I think it lands the context through the different essays you really sense the interconnectedness of the issues that we're in and Great. why it is this moment in time but there's something also uh, which talks about um, you know the sort of slight you know is there something here about you know there's the UK you know effectively you know we started this industrial revolution yeah with bringing coal to the world and all this kind of stuff you know could we could we see this moment in time and could it tip into actually reimagining how a nation, how, you know, how we kind of uh, develop as a culture, as a society and what could we bring to the world at this moment in time? Because it does feel like there's this intensity in the UK right now with this. Can we, can we actually, because you know, you, on the other side, you'll have people going nutters, do you know what I mean? Uh, Brexit, let's just get it over and done with, move on. You know, but we, with, 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 with a flow of creative energy, I don't know. It's, it's like going to have to be, it's going to have to come from a creative place and yeah. one of visioning a better future because what happens is essentially we're, you know, there's there's also, you could say the far right yeah. who are sweet for a bit of eco-fascism. Like, this is great. What a better excuse to make sure the wall you build is 45 times higher so you can kick out all the Guatemalans and make sure they don't get into your country or that everyone who's the wrong colour doesn't get access to the food. You know, like, this is a dangerous time we're living in and we have to make sure that the actions we take are all about visioning something better mm. and communal and community focused and you know address that global inequality because there's going to be refugee crises the likes of which the world has yeah. never even imagined whether we like it or not and that's coming yeah. so we've just all got to be ready for like big sweeping changes to the way that we do everything when i see like our current prime minister and again we don't take a line on brexit but we do take a line on like taking this seriously and it was great to hear uh, mr johnson uh, saying about talking about biodiversity and basically it was almost like he was doing an extinction rebellion speech until he said that and that's why we're giving 20 million dollars to the 20 million pounds to the amazon and you're like mate literally stick six noughts on the end of that and maybe it'll do something and call up all your buddies and do the same and seven million pounds to fisheries and local marine environments no 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 we're going to need like proper change here that isn't going to cut it and we need to demand that like everybody takes this deadly seriously um so yeah, I think it's. Uh, I'm really glad you like the book. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's. I think it's a. Re I think it's a. It's it's a very it's very accessible. It's challenging. It's it's um, terrifying. It's beautiful. It's all those things. But I think again, that's that is the transformation that's needed. You have to go through these kind of. And hopefully it's accessible. That's the very main thing. Accessible. So the idea is that like we all need to make all of these subjects and all of these conversations accessible for everybody. And that's something the advertising agencies can do. If they are the communicators, then start communicating, start having these chats internally and externally, and particularly with your clients. Help wake them up to this emergency. Because if you are an agency, you are to a degree, you, you know, frequently advertising agencies talk about being the mediators between the audience and their clients. Well, guess what? Gen Z, this is the only thing they're going to be worried about. If you're having any conversations about youth audiences and you're not making climate and ecological crisis the absolute number one priority, then you're missing the biggest 
you know, trick yeah, ever. Right. This is the only conversation those guys are going to give a shit about. And let's not forget the front cover of the Evening Standard the other day, new Ipsos Mori poll, 55% of the, I think 85% of the country are scared of climate change and yeah. recognize that never, it's never incoming. More, is it? 55% mm. Uh, inverted commas over index or whatever you want to call it like they they are deeply concerned the highest possible level about climate change and that's um and that's like a strategy strategic line to bring into every meeting every discussion every creative idea like this is the conversation now yeah and it's going to touch every part of every other conversation so to wrap up if folks want to get in get on board how, where, where should where should they go um you can either uh get in touch via email we'll put so that on the, i'll put that in yeah for, earth's worth it at gmail that comes straight through to me um and uh invite us in and we'll do some cool stuff and you can be a part of it and you can help decide what how we challenge this industry and be a part of that change brilliant first thing i was uh, finished the conversation with um you know the phrase from the spaceship earth there are no passengers on spaceship earth we're, we're all crew what what does that say to you at this moment in time um big fan of buckminster fuller and his book uh operating manual for spaceship earth so i'm yeah i just i think about it a lot and i think about the pirates who he talks about as being those people who are extracting stuff a lot and um i think the pirates have never been in clearer sight and we need to do more not to try and necessarily even attack them but to find something better and find a better you know improve our operating manual well thanks a lot man really enjoyed that thanks so much so I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Will Skeeping from Extinction Rebellion. He's doing uh, doing super important work there, Will and crew. I love that um, that thought from Will uh, to the advertising sector about being brave to step outside the commodified space of uh, the sort of commercial advertising creative world and step into the real world to be creative in the news, not in the ad break, play in the real world, not in the safe spaces. Super interesting. Um, yeah, let's see what emerges. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting when I think about the, um, you know, this what feels like this enormous challenge of like, you go, well, there's no way, you, you know, how is a sector going to transform to, to, to something completely different? And um, it makes me think of Joanna Macy's work on The Great Turning, um, which I'll put into the show notes. And I've actually chatted about this in a previous episode with um, Andres Roberts, um, exploring bioleadership. The Great Turning is um, work that is based on uh, exploring how we make this this shift um, from industrial growth society, this extractive, polluting, destructive way of being on the earth, uh, which we now understand, to, to the to the next phase of evolution, which is turning to something um, regenerative, in tune with Earth systems, within the limits of planetary boundaries, built around community and connection, and where all life is valued. It's it's amazing work. Jana Mosi's work is amazing on so many fronts. I highly recommend digging in. I'll try and put some in the in the show notes. But um, this particular work talks about um, three uh, key actions that are required for change in a system shift um the first action is um is called holding actions and it's it's the slowing down of the destruction that business as usual is causing to our living world so to try and protect what is left of our natural ecosystems for example and there's and there's lots of actions that you might use within that some would be protest direct action um uh telling the truth of our impacts through communication so this is this would be a key holding action for this industry um uh and a holding action also would be you know um dropping 
toxic, destructive uh, clients. So uh, toxic businesses refusing to promote and support those in our society anymore. That would be a holding action. Um, so you can start to see in just in that frame where where this industry could be playing more. And then uh, the second action is called um, life sustaining systems and practices. And this is all about kind of reimagining and reengineering um, how we live, what we do, how we do it. And obviously, there's huge amounts of stuff going on in that space uh, across all sectors, looking at every element of life. But I think particularly in this sector, it's like so when you think of a it's a in the words of um, in John Oasis books, there's a creative redesign of the structures and systems that make up our society. And so this would include, you know, new ways of showing up, of thinking about our role as humans in society. And it's a questioning and a letting go of the old damaging way. So, again, in this sector, it's like. I think this would really start to tap into some of the stuff we've been talking about, you know, about identity. So beyond consumerism. So, you know, thinking about um, being really active about how we talk and how we story and how we communicate uh, culturally around uh, a new way of being in the world. And that feels like a really key area, again, that, that this sector could be really starting to intentionally play in. And then the third action is this kind of shift in consciousness when we when we wake up to see a very different that we have a very different relationship in the world. We're actually part of something much bigger, uh, 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 where all life is actually interconnected. So, yeah, interesting. Um, uh, this kind of model, um, which I think is is useful or could be much more useful if we started to think more intentionally about about these shifts. Just to kind of reiterate the the urgency of all this. I mean, over the weekend that's just gone, the UN's top biodiversity experts said, unless world governments, consumers and businesses all work together to address the root causes of the current burning of the Amazon rainforest, the Arctic and forests in the Congo and Angola, the planet will continue careering towards a point of no return. We need to address the root causes, Pascal Palmer said, even if the amount involved in extinguishing fires in rainforests was a billion or $500 million, we won't see an improvement unless more profound structural changes are taking place. We need a transformation in the way we consume and produce. As ever, if this episode has raised questions, thoughts, ideas, rage or sadness, then please uh, feel free to reach out to me, um, dan at thespaceship.earth, or you can get me at Dan Solo on Twitter. Love to hear from you. Love your thoughts <coughs> and questions. Um, if you're motivated to get involved with XR, <coughs> Extinction Rebellion, as a creator, then please do reach out to Will. There's a fast-growing community of... Uh, amazing people across the creative industry that are getting involved to so come and come and join us all and uh and or and of course join your local xr groups um and join the autumn rebellion um we need everyone uh it's a movement of movements for this moment in time um i'm going to put all of this in the show notes come to the climate crisis ad summit i think that's the 16th of september again in the notes um join good for nothing join the glimpse network and whatever you do please come and join the strikes on the 20th get out on the streets make some noise with our young and uh yeah if you want to find out where that's happening if you're in the uk go to ukscn.org if you're anywhere else in the world, go to globalclimatestrike.net. There's thousands of strikes, marches, protests going on everywhere. So please do get involved. There's so many ways to get involved. As Charles Eisenstein would say, the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible is just there waiting. 
but to get there, it's going to need an enormous amount of courage, humility, collaboration, creativity and human energy. So let's do this. As ever, if you like what I'm doing here, give us a review or a rating uh, or do share widely. It all helps to uh, help surface the podcast to others. And if ever there was an episode to end on with the Spaceship Earth, remember, folks, there are no passengers on Spaceship Earth. We are all crew. Until next time, peace and out. Out.